Two guards, one throne. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Two Bards, One Throne, the podcast that brings news, casual conversation, and mindless ramblings together. My name is Corbin Slack. And my name is Sean Britton, and I'm pissed, Corbin, frankly, to tell you Oh, yeah? I am Again? Upset. Yes, it's a trend. Um, uh, so, the Rotten Tomato score for the new Mortal Kombat's out, and I am disappointed. It, it's currently sitting at a 53%. And it's bullshit. It's such bullshit. The movie was, like, legitimately really, 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 really good. And yet, a a 53%, like, I could understand, like, it being, like, as good as it is. And just because it's a genre movie, it's at, like, 75%. I would understand that. But that's 53%. Which means most of the ratings, according to how the tomato meter works, are below... Like forty, thirty percent. I I don't understand. Like I I understand that it's like, it's got the legacy of the two really campy, shitty films that were made about it to to live up to, <laughs> and it's, it, it's a it's an out there. It's like, it's like high gore, high intensity. Da 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 da. And I get how that's that's divisive, but still, like a fifty three percent. I don't understand. That is that is my rant. That is why I'm pissed. So you think that Mortal Kombat got an unfair score? Incredibly, yes. Is it already out in theaters? Yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah, I think it. I think it was in theaters starting like three or four days ago. Oh. Oh. That's, that's what I remember hearing anyway. I know. I know a couple people. Well. Uh, I can't wait to see it. Uh, I know I was looking forward to it. I've been seeing a lot of hype about it. I heard that they kind of planned on doing uh, probably four or five movies so that I think they're kind of taking like the same route that Fast and Furious is, or at least they hope to get that far. Uh, but I was curious to see how the story arc went for that because I know it's been different in video games and things like that with Mortal Kombat. So don't spoil anything, but... I was curious about that. Um, I'm going to tell you the truth. My entire opinion about this film was based on the very, very beginning parts that I was awake to see. It was like I fell asleep in the theater. <laughs> I'm, um, I am, I'm very tired. I, classes have been insane. Hours have been insane. Personal life's been insane. So it's just been very difficult to get the good sleep. And, you know, it's a theater. The seats are comfy. I went to one with the recliner chairs. Like, the, 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 oh, the those nice, are nice ones. So, like, I have my chair leaned all the way back. They let me bring a blanket in. Damn. Sean going luxury on a Wednesday night or something? Yeah, basically. And I had just eaten some bomb-ass Mexican food. And it was just, like, it was perfect. It was amazing. I loved it. And then I fell asleep and missed most of the movie. <laughs> but I did, I did see that first fight scene, and it was fucking kick-ass. But, yeah, I definitely need to watch it again. Like, maybe when it gets released to streaming sites and shit, I'll give it another... 
give it another another little look see but until then i have that fight scene to go off of and that makes me feel like it is unworthy of that 53 percent score on rotten tomatoes hmm. well that's some interesting news thank you for bringing the mm-hmm. new rotten tomatoes score up to us you're welcome also i completely forgot that the oscars were, the oscars were today I didn't really care for it. I did. I was excited. Ah. There's some good shit. Ah. Oscar winners 2021. Who won? Who won? Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, so. Why did you scroll all the way to the back, you fool? Um. So, Soul won Best Original Score. That's nice. I'm just scrolling through things and taking a look. Um. Okay, the best supporting actress went to the woman from Minari. Visual effects for Tenant. Uh, yeah, best animated feature was Soul. That had nothing but like Onward and Shaun the Sheep the movie to, to, to go against it at that point. So that made sense. True. Um, best costume design was Ma Rainey's Big Black Black Black, black Bottom. Ooh, Stutter came out. Outstanding. Ah! Daniel Kaluuya won Best Supporting Actor. That was the the guy. Which from one Get was Out. that? The guy from Get Out. He was in Judas and the oh. Black Messiah. The guy with the eyes. Uh no, no, that's Florence Whitaker. Wait, are you talking about Get Out or Black Panther? I'm talking about Get Out. Oh yeah, yes, he was the he's the dude with the dude with the eyes. He was in Judas and the Black Messiah, <laughs> and he won it for. It. That's good. Okay. Yeah. What else? Give me more, more to see. Ah. No. Oh, they haven't announced the three that I want to know. <laughs> they haven't announced Best Picture and Best Actor and Actress. Who do you? Th- okay, so I'm gonna get. I'm gonna give you the shit. I'm gonna give you the lineup for these two, and I want to know what you predict, so that at the end of the podcast, I can go back and check, and we we can see what 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 we did. Sure. All right. So, the nominees for Best Picture are Sound of Metal, Mank, Minari, Promising... What does that say? Promising Young Women, I Lost the List, Come Back, um, The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, The Trial of Chicago, and Nomadland. Who do you think who do you think's got it? Do you know about any of those films? I am not a qualified judge not whatsoever. Sure. I have n- not even heard of those movies, let alone seen them. So, honestly, I think just personally, just looking at them and thinking about what the Oscars are really about, it's probably either going to be Judas and the Black Messiah or Sound of Metal. Maybe Mank, just because Mank is just chock full of talent. Okay, best actor. Anthony Hopkins for The Father, Riz Ahmed for The Sound of Metal, Steven Yen, the guy from The Walking Dead, Glenn, that's him, he's got it for Minari, Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and Gary Oldman for Mank. It's like, think, thinking about those people, what do you think? My boy Boseman. Yeah, that's... Always elite. And since it's going to be posthumous... I think that's even more of like a reason that it would be given to him, in my opinion. You know. True. Yeah. Not the fairest thing to the other 
candidates, but still, it, it makes would, sense. Yeah, it would be their last time to get recognized for a new work, so yeah. I would it's, understand that. It's nothing that anybody would argue, really. Mm-mm. Exactly. And for our best actress, we have Andrew Day for, uh, what's that film? Uh, oh, that helps. Uh, the United States against something. And then, oh, come back, Mr. Webpage. I needed you. Uh, Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman. Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And Frances McDormand for Nomadland. I think it's going to be Viola. Just because, like, it's Viola Davis, you know? She's important. She is a very well-seasoned actress, and I love her to death. Have I lost your interest? I feel like I've lost your interest. Yeah, I'd say we're there. Yeah. And not to not to rain on the the parade there. Ah, well, fine. Carry us away then. Be gone with okay, it. Okay, yes, Say sir. no more about it. <laughs> I I definitely I will not do that. Uh, so today <laughs> I kind of wanted to talk about a few things. Uh, one of which was 420 just passed us. Mm-hmm. And I can voice my support and all, but um, we're not going to talk about any personal experiences, if any, and we're kind of just going to be talking about it from a neutral standpoint. Mm-hmm. But uh, after that, we're going to talk about some weird food combos that we've heard of, that we like, uh, and then personal anecdotes from experiences with that so 420 just passed us there's a lot of celebrities and a lot of people especially in the past too that have hailed this holiday as the stoners christmas Mm -hmm. and as weed is getting legalized and even the legal form of thc delta 8 is now becoming more popular uh, as a remedy for all kinds of ailments or just uh, for recreation and leisure Mm -hmm. um as we move in towards a better reputation for cannabis and its uses, do you think that 420 should be a national holiday, or do you think it will be in the next few years? Hmm. I really don't know. I don't know if there's a should to that. I really don't think it will. But I guess there's just like... Hmm. I don't know. I could see that potentially happening but i don't think like there's a really should or shouldn't to it you know i guess yeah, my, I my biggest concern is that you know whether or not it's safe um like even if it's safe even if it's legal to use it's still a drug so i feel like making a national holiday surrounding a drug of any kind is a little questionable in my eyes like making it an unofficial holiday, yeah, sure. I would I'm absolutely happy to keep celebrating it when it's legal. I'm just not sure if you know, the entire nation at large would support basically the idea of having a holiday for what is a drug in the end. You know? Like I wouldn't be upset about it, but I'm not hopeful. Right. Well, some people don't necessarily see it as a drug. Yeah, you know, I know. 
Some people see it as a medicine or just a plant. Uh, yeah. Some people have those arguments too. And honestly, I'm just I understand your points. Just I feel like as crazy as America is and all mm-hmm. the crazy things that we've seen, I'd say it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world for us to do that. Mm, yeah, that's good. Uh, but it would be it would be one of those things where this administration made it a thing and the next one, if it was Republican, would be like, nah. Yeah. Have you seen... Yeah, we talked about last podcast about the uh, homo... Well, some people call it homophobic. Other people call it, like, straight alliance. Or, I don't know. But the protest about mm-hmm. uh, making gay marriage criminalized. Mm-hmm. Like, that's crazy to me. Yeah. And I haven't... I haven't heard anything about that since we talked about it last, and I don't know if that's just because I went in into my little bubble and didn't really come out to look at the news, or if nothing really happened after that. But I haven't seen anything else about it, which is a good sign in my eyes. It's just fucking insane that it still happens in the first place. Right. So, I recently saw that, like, DC, like the... What is the um, full name for that? I District can't remember of Columbia. That's it. Uh, they are making a petition, and I think Congress is going to vote on whether they should make them a state or not. Yes. And it's looking favorable. Yeah. So America would have 51 states. That would be dope as hell, but I know that it's going to have some GOP opposition. Like, that is inevitable. Well, here's my thing. Here's my thing. Yeah. While it is looking favorable, can we talk about for a second Puerto Rico, who has been a territory of the United States for several years now, have been wanting to be a part of the United States for years now. They wanted to be a state. And those old bastards in Congress were like, nah, because then we'd have to change, like, our flag and we'd have to and so many songs would be incorrect now and, and? You know, our national anthem will have to be looked at and then we'll have an uneven amount of uh, senators and we'll have to add more uh, congress people no you was like are you kidding right Not, yeah because like, yeah, it's an additional state more, but it wouldn't be odd there's two yeah, senators you know anyway how, yeah but they yeah. just didn't want it to be 102 or, or something so um a bunch of pansies is what i'm here right right and so they're like nah like, we don't we don't want to let you be a state puerto rico and they're like ah we kind of use your currency and your language is like one of the most popular ones here but okay so while puerto rico has been wanting to become a state why all of a sudden are, are we just like oh dc like you guys are tired of being just a district or like this weird sub area and they're like yeah and I say he's like yeah sure whatever we're like Puerto Rico who has been actively wanting to become part of the United States and receive our aid and stuff like it's some bullshit no like it's crickets for them that I, is what we call not okay and fucking gross because it's probably a little racist not even true. a little it's probably very racist what True, or they just feel like uh, those old guys probably think that Puerto Rico's in to get our money and our aid and then dip. And because they're not 
connected by land, like the domestic United States, okay. they might just be able to get away with it. Let's say something here. Um, the entire South tried to secede once, and they got butt-fucked. I don't think Puerto Rico thinks it would ever have a chance at trying to secede from the Union. I'm going to be well, perfectly like upfront and honest with that. If we were to put armed military against Puerto Rico at that point, like in this day and age, I feel like there would be a lot of countries wanting to start things. There would also be like, no more Puerto Rico. <laughs> true, true. But yeah, what were you saying? Probably one of the nukes we put on Japan could be put on Puerto Rico, and, and then just half be of Puerto Rico flat. Would be gone. <laughs> half? I was thinking the whole thing. Oh, probably honestly. I don't know, or, you know, maybe Fallout's right, it would just become like this post-apocalyptic thing. Mm. It could be definitely some crazy LARPing. Did you just call <laughs> post-apocalyptic surviving LARPing? <laughs> God, it's the best roleplay. Survival, actual oh, fucking survival. <laughs> it's oh the most God. realistic roleplay you can get, Corbo. But, well, we I don't know. Do I've it. done some pretty weird things during sex. Well, let's say no more about it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Am I wrong? Like, the most realistic uh, form. I'm pretty sure, dear. like, role-playing during sex is, like, a much more real thing. I feel like oh, yeah, pretending that's... to be a different character or something, like, just to hang out with your friends. I feel like that's worse. You know, it's it's immersive. I will give them that. It is a step up from D and D. That is where I see it. Because like D and D, you're creating everything. You're doing it yourself. You're thinking about it. You're like, you're acting, but you're just like you're basically voice acting for your character while writing the script. And again, True. just the step up would just be like actually acting as that character. It's so like I kind I see it. I understand what they're doing. It it just doesn't appeal to me in any way, shape, or form, and I don't know why. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, what about you? Where do you say you sounded like you had some strong resentment, tossing some rough rough words out at the the larpers? <laughs> no, it's not that I Give hate them larpers. The old one, two. It's not that I hate larpers. It's the fact that I remember being young and then watching like weird videos and getting on you know the weird rabbit holes that are youtube uh-huh. and finding videos of people larping and just finding it so cringe even as that young weird kid i was like what is this i was like this i feel silly watching this i can't imagine being in it and i don't know maybe it's changed but when I saw it there, I was like, ah, it's weird. Because I remember watching, like, Fallout, like, roleplay videos. Yeah. And people, like, doing overlays of the dialogue screen and everything. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was odd. And then they would make up their own, like, real-life versions of weapons. Like, I remember I watched one, and as the laser pistol, somebody brought out their Nerf gun. It's mm-hmm. just, I don't know. It was like, recreated to me. The, recreated the laser pistol as a Nerf gun? Yeah. yeah. That's kind of fucking dope, though. That's no, really but it wasn't like cool. No, like they didn't like 
craft anything. Oh, it was it like wasn't, people. I, I'm imagining no, like cosplay no, level like they shit. didn't deck it out. Oh, no, it was like oh, it was a people lot wearing street clothes, and their out of the box Nerf gun was the laser pistol. So got it. Oh, damn it! Oh, that would have been really cool. Like modding yeah, out no, a Nerf gun and building no. it up. Oh, that would be so cool. Not at all. Someone needs to do that and like sell it to cosplayers. Maybe that could be one of your projects. I mean, maybe when I have a garage or a workspace. I live in a dorm right now, Corbin. I don't have no, no. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Plan this out. So you get a Nerf gun, right? It's brand new. It's kind of shiny. It smells like glue and plastic. And you're like, all right, let's make this post-apocalyptic. Let's make it Fallout style. So you go and find some rocks, and you just start tumbling that gun across, and you start like lightly tossing, so it gets scratched up and scuffed up. <laughs> bring some sandpaper that. to it. Oh, you're saying that, and all I'm imagining is chucking a uh, a Nerf gun into one of those rock tumblers with a yes. bunch of other rocks, and just running it on high for 20 years, and not 20 yes. years, like 20 minutes until every single edge is smooth as a baby, and it looks like something from yes. Halo. Oh, that would yes. be amazing. I want but to no, get a little now. scuffed up. You know, cover all of the really important firing mechanisms. Spray paint that bitch. I mean, that thing. And <laughs> why are you uh, censoring yourself now? Nah, I don't it's know. Pointless. But right. Anyway, so you just you get the bottom, and then if there's extra details, like. And there's stripes you can do that with spray paint but then on fine details you get like a metallic paint or an, i don't know what would go on this project in particular but i, I don't know just throw some acrylic paints. paint on there yeah nah, probably Alcohol but base, probably. you put that on there and that that thing would look so cool man it's, it doesn't sound like as hard of a project as i think you're making it yeah i was imagining like doing 3d printing and using, well, more using, um... I want uh, a 3D printer really bad, actually. No, not VacuFoam. What's it called? Shit, I don't remember. L200. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Like, using L200 and rigid plastics and actually building up a Nerf, building onto a Nerf gun to make it look like the gun from the game. Yeah. That's what I was talking about. I we took two different approaches, but I like yours better because it's a lot easier. Oh yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. But I really do want a three D printer. What would I use it for? I have no idea. Do I plan to start a business with it? Absolutely not. Do I want a three D printer to make funny things? Absolutely. Making dick butt with a three D printer would be awesome. I play enough Jackbox with my friends that I would want to take some of the characters, especially from Champed Up, and make 3D models of them and print them just so that I can have them on my desk. As we make some cursed shit in that game and it's glorious. I love it so much. I'm so glad that I got to know the people on my floor this year. I'm so glad because I, I didn't do that last year and I seriously regret it because I spent the entire year not being connected to anyone that I was living with and then they'd go do shit in droves and I'd just be home, which was lovely. But I'm so glad I'm getting to know them and I'm becoming, I'm becoming friends with them. They act okay. So I came home late last night because I was having a rough time. I was at a friend's house, 
and they were all going to bed, but I wasn't tired, so I came back to my dorm. Get back at like 1.30 in the morning, and there's four people out there playing Magic the Gathering, and they've got like 12 different decks, like each of them has built several, and somehow, through some sheer force of will, they managed to get me to sit down and basically learn the game inside and out, and then got me to play for three hours, so that by the time I was done it was like 4 in the morning, like 4 to 4.30. I have no idea how they held my attention for that long. I think I just got to hyperfixate on something and my brain liked it. But I've retained <laughs> absolutely everything, and that is astounding to me. I should not be able to remember all of that because I was so tired. But I, I guess that just... It's the the nerd cannot leave the Sean. I guess that's the uh, that's the solution Oof. to this. Well, I I'm mean, not mad I about wouldn't it. call you a nerd because certainly everybody was. has their thing. Nah, I think everybody has their thing. I mean, yeah, are some of the people that play Magic the Gathering kind of odd? Absolutely, but odd people are what make the world beautiful, and yeah. it's not like there aren't weird like creepy people uh like doing music or doing other art or uh, or or anything really i mean they're everywhere and it's just this card game gets a negative connotation because people don't understand it mm-hmm. yeah 100 percent. that's good shit Corbin. that was that was very nice i appreciate it that make you feel all good inside yeah I've been needing some of that. It's been a rough time. These past few months have been rough as hell. And I I don't think it's just been for me. I think just like this whole transitional period of things starting to look like they're going to come to a close soon with COVID and everything. Everybody's stressed. Yeah. And like we were all champing at the bit, chomping at the bit. I always say champing instead of chomping, and I don't know why. That was weird. That chomping. was weird. Don't say either of them. Fine. Um, we're all we're all so desperately ready to be done with the masks and the social distancing that it's just making things worse because different people think we're at different points of being done, and that's causing clashing and resentment, and it's dangerous. True. It's just like there's so much happening right now. With the trial that just concluded and everything, it's just, it feels like March all over again, you know? True. Like March a year ago, March 2020, all over again. And it doesn't help that I'm getting Snapchat memories from the, from one month in quarantine when I was kind of losing it a little bit. You were in college, right? You were still... Yeah. 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 Uh, how did your finals? I mean, how did that last month and a half of school go for you? I want to know I if we had the same experience. So it was really weird, but I also had this feeling of like, oh hell yeah, like school's out, you know. Yeah. And so I didn't really do my work then, like, and the teachers didn't really know what to do either. So they just kind of gave us really odd, small assignments that took no time and. It was kind of just like a vacation at home for a couple months because they closed campus and it was just 
professors, students, everybody didn't know what to do. It was something we hadn't experienced before. So, uh, honestly, I think it was kind of this weird feeling of freedom, but also confusion and uncertainty about the future. Um, I think it was nice to live in uh, ignorance for a while about what was going on uh, with the virus. And so I think we just kind of looked at it as uh, this like weird period where the world was on pause and we could kind of do what we wanted and instead of taking it more seriously I think and I know I heard that um, I think it was Tanzania they have I forget how many I think it was like 120 recoveries only like 28 deaths or something uh, but basically their country is back to functioning as normal mm-hmm. and uh, the, I think the government of that tested from the World Health Organization uh, the kits that they have to test COVID they tested it on uh, I believe it was a goat and then on like a strawberry or watermelon or something and they both came back positive and they were like hey we think your tests are faulty and the World Health Organization said that's impossible that doesn't happen and Mm -hmm. so now there's kind of this weird speculation among a small group of people that are kind of like uh are the the statistics kind of skewed maybe but the real effects that we're seeing though are kind of competing against that and so we don't know what to think and that is causing a lot of stress for sure Mm. yeah i hadn't heard about that that's weird God, you gotta be you gotta be really concerned if you're testing a fucking virus test on a watermelon. Mm-hmm. That's some some high level shit. Um, yeah. Right. I am insanely jealous of how your last bit of semester went in COVID. My God, that sounds amazing. I got none of <laughs> yeah. that. I got absolutely none of that. My um so I'm a theater student. And what really sucks about when we went into COVID is I was in a shit ton of application classes. So, like, I was in acting, too. I was in playwriting. I was in, um, I was in a dance class. Like, I was in modern dance. I was in Intro to Modern 2. And I was in directing. And all of those things require in-person connection to actually do the work. And a lot of them pretty much turned into research work so I went from having maybe one paper due a week or one set of pages due a week to at least six pieces of writing every single week until school let out Um, plus group presentations and smaller assignments in between Um, it was just my workload increased tenfold and none of us knew what to do. <laughs> well, I, so I think was, our majors were very different, though, too. I mean, I yeah. was looking at, like, a management or arts management, you know, major. So mm-hmm. it wasn't really that hard. It was kind of like, here's a PowerPoint of all the answers that are going to be on this quiz, and then here's the quiz. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah, that's definitely true. Like, it's much harder to do. As we've seen with trying to get theater back up and running, it is much harder to do theater 
or any sort of applicable art um, virtually, unless you're doing virtual art already, like digital art. Right. So that was a pain in the ass, and it's continuing to be a pain in the ass to this day. I know a, a lot hemorrhoid, of hemorrhoid, if you will. Mm, indeed. Ooh, there's a rabbit outside my window. Sorry. Um, oh, I have a rabbit. I have a rabbit now. You have a rabbit now. You didn't I tell have me a this. rabbit now. Oh, I'm sorry. I am sorry. I, I meant to, bro. She's so cute. Yay. She's name? a baby, right? Her name is Mocha, and I'll Mocha. tell you why. Because she has this really, really unique color pattern on her fur, and she's like primarily brown, but she's also got like little traces of white and like light brown, mm-hmm. and then like a little bit of orange. So it's like this really unique coloration. It's kind of like a calico bunny, and I just never seen anything like that. So she's super, super sweet. And you know what she loves to do? That's the cutest thing ever. So she'll sit in my hand perfectly and like be perfectly content with doing that for me. And like I've had her on me when I play games and stuff, and she just chills out and watches. But she will crawl up onto my chest and onto my shoulder and get in the nook between my shoulder and my beard because my beard uh, is really warm for her. Yeah. yeah, and so she nestles like right in there, and it's so cute. And she just stays there, and she's so fine good. with being there. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. My yeah, yeah, yeah. just adopted a puppy for the first time since we got oh, Mona my goodness. back in like 2007 or 8. Is Mona still alive? Yeah, Mona's still alive. Oh, my goodness. Whew. She's I only thought like, you were going to be like, nah, she did. She's only like 9 or 10 years old, I think, if that. Wow. Well, good no, for them. What like kind of dog is it? Exact same kind as Mona. That's some sort of Chihuahua what? Terrier mix. Oh, God. Little boy. Named him uh, Inigo from like Inigo Montoya. That's from, unique. From uh, the, the Princess Bride. Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya, and you killed my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> and my favorite thing about all of this is that you can tell he's the same breed as Mona, not even because they look the same, because they do, but because he just looks like a much more energetic version of how anxious Mona is constantly. Like, if you have ever met my dog, she has these eyes where the iris is big enough that it, like, fills in her entire, like, open eyelids. But her eyes are constantly darting to, like, the left and the right. And just, (laughs) she looks... She's always suspicious. She looks... (laughs) She she looks... She's always up to something. She constantly looks like... She's just gone into a room that she knows something is different about, but can't decide what it is. She's just mildly... It's like when you look at someone and you can't figure out what they did to themselves, but they look different. It's like someone has a slightly different hairstyle coming into work and you work directly with them. But you don't know, like... If you see them look a little smaller, you don't know whether to congratulate them on losing weight or <laughs> let them know they're fat. So oh it's my God. <laughs> No, she just always looks mildly terrified as just her status. And she just Same. she shakes just for no reason. She just gets more anxious and she starts shivering. 
And it's both the saddest and funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. And it makes me feel like a horrible person. <laughs> it's like, she'll literally just, just be looking anxious and she'll start vibrating. And it's the strangest thing. Like, vibration is the thing. It's almost like it's a self-soothing technique. But that doesn't make sense, like, for me to say. Because it's, like, an anxious thing? Yeah. And then, like, oh, thunderstorms are an absolute no-go. She, if she can, like, if we see that a thunderstorm is coming, we make sure everybody knows to close the bathroom door. Because she will go into the bathroom and hide underneath and behind the toilet. Or, as you call it in a house where there are multiple young men the piss zone <laughs> oh god so she will lie down and it'll just be old piss when she stands up and she comes running in and just she, she just smells rank and could not have a care in the world about it and then like if we're all sitting on the couch she'll come up and like squish her she's she is chunky for how small of a frame she has she is she is round <laughs> chunker she is a cylinder so she will literally force herself between our legs and the bottom of the couch and just vibrate there instead and like literally the tighter that she is pressed against the couch the better because then she vibrates a little less and feels better she's just she has such intricate ways of like making herself feel comfy but so many of them are self-destructive. <laughs> but yeah, he's just her amount of anxious, but with more energy because he's like a year old. I oh. I cannot wait wait to see that dynamic. It's gonna be interesting. Oh my god, huh. Smokey went deaf and nobody told me. Who so is I, that? my my cat. Oh. He's very old. He's ancient. I'm pretty sure he's... Oh my god. I'm pretty sure he's like 14 years old. Um, he's a rugged boy. He's indoor-outdoor. He's got a ton of scars. He still fights other, like, stray cats and shit. Still eats wild animals. He, like, he's still indoor-outdoor. Wow. Um, I went home for... Uh, my sister's birthday. No, my... Whose birthday weekend did I go home for? Mm, it would have been... Remember. Yours, right? No, no, because mine's in July. Because I wasn't able to make it down there for mom's. No, I went to celebrate Jake's birthday, my little brother's birthday, um, a week later. And I spent the first two days interacting with Smokey because he's my favorite of our pets. And he was ignoring me, basically, for two days, unless I, like, actively touched him. And they let me keep trying to get his attention for two days. Until I get home from the store on the third day, right before I leave, I try to get his attention, like, from out in the yard. And my mom leaves o leans over, and she's like, oh yeah, don't, don't bother with that, he's deaf. Oh? Uh, that was the first I had heard of it. And it had been two days. <laughs> Of me trying to get a deaf cat's attention by calling for him. Because, like, he was the kind of cat that would always, like, as soon as he hears anything resembling his name, he's trotting over. 
So just the fact that he was sitting on my lap and ignoring me talking to him, I was just kind of like, does he hate me now that I've left? <laughs> Have I oh no longer God. been imprinted? Ouch. No, he's just fucking deaf and my family didn't bother telling me. So Oof. not only was I upset, I was embarrassed. Oh. And there is no worse combination. Sorry to hear that, bro. Oh, it's okay. I'll survive. Oh, well. Yeah, pets are fucking... Okay, so did you see that story that happened, I think it was two weeks ago, where some guy in Cincinnati had five monkeys, and all five of them got loose? Yeah, I think we talked about that. Yeah. The Cincinnati Zoo had to help him, and then they took his monkeys. Oof. God, your monkeys escape once and the, the city zoo swoops down on just takes them off your hands. Imagine if Child Protective Services worked like that. Oof. Yeah, it's pets. Pets, man. Pets are fucking weird. Like, there's just... They're just a slightly smaller version of something that would normally try to kill us. True. And we've gained their trust through genetics and food and making them fat and genetics. <laughs> True. Like, literally, it's just, like... And, like, I understand, like, why it happened. It's just such a weird concept now that we're, like, breeding them to be a specific kind of thing when it's absolutely wrecking them genetically and physically. Like, there's so many really fucked up looking dog breeds that have loads, loads and loads and loads of health problems. Like, I think something like 65% of all Dalmatians are going to end up going blind or partially partially blind before they reach five years old. Hmm. Like, that's, that's an actual statistic on the health. And then all the respiratory problems that come from dogs with... And dogs and cats with flat, squished faces. And just the fact that chihuahuas are so malproportioned. I love Mona to death, but her, like, they're just, it's, they're malformed almost at that point. It just makes me feel bad, and, like, we did that to them, you know? Like, yeah. we purposefully bred those characteristics down to be favorable when they're actively hurting the animal by being alive, you know? Yeah. Ah, it's yeah. just weird to me. It's just weird. I don't, I don't, makes me feel yucky. I guess. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But my bunny is really cute, and I love her so much. Mm, I'm glad you. But my problem is that I keep giving, getting on my off days these pets, and I'm curious as to what will come next. Mm -hmm. So. I mean, does the cat like the bunny? Oh God, no. Uh, no. So, actually, <laughs> I have a story on that. Oh, so, uh, it was the second night that I had her here, and I had gotten home from work, and currently, um, like with my living situation, my mom is there too, so I, I went in there and put my stuff down, I was talking to her for a little bit, and while I was in there, I heard all of a sudden this like screech like it was a child screaming and I ran into my room and
my cat had had his paw inside of the rabbit cage and had his claw hooked on the ear of the bunny. Oh no! And so, of course, I was upset and I got down there, unhooked him, and like I threw him out of my room, honestly. I was really upset and um, like she was so scared. She was running, literally jumping on the walls of the cage and running around my hand as I was trying to get her and calm her down. Mm. And she was, like, stomping, which, as you can guess, it's not a good thing when rabbits do that. Um, And so she was feeling really threatened, and she was anxious. So I decided just to put a blanket over her cage and let her have most of the night to herself. Yeah. Uh you know to mend her wounds and kind of just have her own space I was so worried at that point about building that trust back and luckily uh, my girlfriend was able to you know kind of coax her out and she was so good with her and she ended up laying on me for a little bit and while I was playing games, but then she ended up shitting on me. But as bunnies okay. often do. <laughs> yeah, but it was okay. But that gave me a lot of hope that things um, were getting better and that she was learning to trust again. So I was happy to see that. But now my door stays closed, like all the time, mm. and um, you know I'm really really careful uh, about that now and. I felt terrible, honestly. Like, I was so distraught. I felt so bad. Because she's so delicate and so precious. And, like, she didn't deserve that. Mm-hmm. And I was really mad at the cat. But at the same time, I understand. Like, I adopted him when the, the adoption center said he was about seven or eight. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what his history's been. I don't, I don't know what he's had to do to survive. And maybe he was just doing what came natural to him mm-hmm. um, you know maybe something he couldn't quite control yeah. mm, I, I can't really blame him for that well I'm glad that you can see it that way I know it can be hard sometimes and a yeah, lot of but I do take okay. responsibility though but there was just uh, when we got to looking at her ear which I thought it was the back of her neck it was actually her ear that he hooked onto, and her ear had a big scratch on it. Uh, but nothing that, like, it punctured skin, but it, you know, the cut wasn't all the way through. It wasn't too deep, so we put some neosporin on it, and it had a scab today, so it's healing, and we put mm-hmm. some more on it. Uh, so it is getting better for her. And, uh, so she, yeah, she has, uh, regained trust with us, and she's been super sweet and super loving and super cuddly and it's mm-hmm. awesome and I felt super bad so that next day I went to PetSmart and I spent over 20 bucks on treats for her so now she's content with those and I got her this little like willow ball it's basically just this ball of hay and I threw it in there and washed her with it and she was like picking it up with her mouth and pushing it and it was so cute yay that's good I'm so glad no, yeah. I love bunnies. So, stuff. I saw some unique treats and stuff that they had at PetSmart. Like, some of them were 
and like your shape of burgers and stuff and it was just kind of funny it, as to the actual like safety for rabbits for those I have no idea probably not good yeah. but that leads me to our final point uh, weird food combos oh there's plenty uh, you so had my, one in particular that knocked me off my socks. I uh, I did, point. but actually this one might this one well, I might be on to something. I, I, yeah, it's pretty good. Like I haven't tried it, but you, it sounds yeah. It sounds. Do decent. you know how the salty and sweet combination goes, like mm-hmm. with the payday? Yes, sir. Well, this combo is exactly one of those. And basically the essence of it is is a fry or a potato wedge, which that's what it was in this case, or something that is um, kind of fluffy but also salty. Mm. Uh, so I guess even a, a potato chip at that point. Yeah, and you coincide it with whipped cream. So in this case I was using canned whipped cream and got bored and said, yeah, I'm going to put this combo together so I was eating mm. potato wedges and whipped cream and honestly it wasn't that bad I, yeah but yeah. my girlfriend has this thing where she eats pickles with Hershey syrup and I just no. don't know if I can get on board with that I have my own uh, traumatic experience with chocolate syrup that I think uh-huh. you're aware of Were you? Yes, Did you experiment we were. with it? No. Do you use it, it as lube? Absolutely not um, it was the variety show. Uh, it would have been our junior year. I was in a skit. Was that the spaghetti and ketchup? Yeah, year? yeah. Okay, so I was in a skit that took place in a diner, and I was this bystander that was eating a plate of food. But one of my, I think it was like one of two lines that I had was asking the waitress to pass the ketchup, and then absolutely unloading the ketchup onto my plate. But I, I had to keep eating it. And we didn't have the money or the refrigeration to do what I originally wanted to do, which was get go to Steak and Shake three times, get three 7x7s, which is seven hamburger patties and seven pieces of cheese. And then you can get Deluxe, so that's got all the toppings on top, but it's not nearly enough. The whole thing is like seven or eight inches tall. And it's just, oh, it's delightful. I've eaten What will that set you back? Uh, that sets you back about 12, 13 bucks, depending on if you get it. But it's worth it. It comes with fries. So I, I, my, my original plan was literally to just get that, cut it up, douse it in ketchup, and start eating it. Because that's typically what I do. I, do, I use mustard and mayo instead, but it's, it's the same thing. Uh, couldn't do that. Didn't have the refrigeration. So instead, I, I, I cooked a gallon of pasta, like a gallon of macaroni, didn't put any cheese in it, and split it into third gallon portions on a plate, and ate pretty much a third of a gallon of macaroni on stage. The problem was, ketchup is fucking disgusting on its own. And the pasta tasted like nothing because I forgot to use water. Like I not no I, I forgot I forgot to use salt. I forgot to salt my water so the oh, pasta didn't I was taste like, like anything. What? 
So like, I, I squirted for a good 10 seconds just all over it. And I had, they gave me a serving spoon instead of an actual spoon because, you know, comically large spoons are comically large and that's comical. And so I just take a big serving spoonful, shove it in my mouth and immediately almost throw it back up onto the plate. Like it hasn't even, it, it has just touched my tongue and my body has already rejected the entire mouthful. You should do it again for old time's sake. Oh my god, I did it once. I did the one show, I almost threw up twice on stage just because my entire mouth tasted like vinegar. <laughs> like it tasted like vinegar and sugar all over my mouth and there was so much substance. Because it's a third of a gallon. It was at least True. three quarters of a pound of pasta that I was eating. And then I had to run down the aisle and out of the auditorium. You had to run with that. I had to run. And I had a wig that made me look like fucking the lead singer of The Who in the 70s. It was poofy. It was brown. <laughs> it made my head look small, which is weird because my head is huge. Big so, head. I said, okay, I need to change a plan. So I went out and got Hershey's chocolate syrup instead because I thought, hey, no, I didn't get it. My lovely friend Maddie was a saint and said, hey, I will go get you literally anything other than ketchup if you want it. And I was like, can I get chocolate syrup? Because marshmallow syrup was going to be awful. And that was my other idea. I didn't think of caramel, which I feel like would have been the obvious choice. But chocolate syrup. The issue with chocolate syrup is that it is very, very... Rich? I was going to say kind of not taste anything like chocolate. Like it, it tastes like, it tastes like chocolate in the way that grape suckers taste like grapes. So, like, it's there, you can tell what it is, but it's, yeah. it doesn't feel like that. Like, if you didn't tell me what it was, I would ask you what you did to my chocolate. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'd be like, okay, this oh is chocolate, God. but there's something wrong here. Something's not correct. What do you forget? Is it salt? Sugar? I... Have you poisoned mm. me? So, again, I was squirting chocolate syrup onto my plate <laughs> for a good five seconds, just full... That's what two-handed she said. squeeze so it was just swimming in chocolate sauce and it was unevenly dispersed because it was on a plate of macaroni it, and, and the hair from the wig kept getting in my mouth and that just tasted Delicious. yucky and then again I'm running and it's the, the issue with the chocolate sauce that the ketchup didn't have is that the chocolate sauce was sticky Mm. So like I could feel my lips starting to stick together as I was eating and I was starting to stick to the spoon. I was just a sticky boy on stage while Ooh. my sister was body slamming Ryan onto the table. Because that's <laughs> literally something that happened. My sister, who is a little shorter than me and a little smaller than me, got to body slam a football player onto a diner counter. <laughs> from standing and it was glorious and it knocked the plate of food almost onto me one time because it was just so like he was he was jumping but she was slamming him down like that's how that relationship works <laughs> like he he would jump to get her the head start but then she would push him down and pow 
it was powerful. I loved it. We all loved it. I was just <laughs> sticky and disgusting running down the running down the aisle way. Oh, that that's was, gross. Oh. Never never end a story like that. Never that end a story also, like that, bro. That was also the year. Oh, were you in the audience? I feel like you were. I feel like you watched this. Okay, so our senior year, we had a workshop for the drama club. Wait, were you in any of those? No. Okay, no, it was just me and Eli, yeah. Um, we did drama workshops where we did 10-minute scenes and, like, one acts and stuff like... Not one acts, like, 10 minutes and 5-minute plays, like little scripty, scripty cuts. One of those yeah. was a script that Mr. Thomas, our, our theater director, actually wrote with a bunch of his students at his first... Um, directing like a student directing job called CSI Aurora and it was it was just a spoof of like the CSI TV shows and stuff. I remember that and my character was the chief of police and you know how they're always like dramatic smoldering like <laughs> types you know yeah um, and they're always fucking around with their aviators so yeah. what I did was I got three pairs of sunglasses of increasingly larger sides, size and stacked them on my face so that the biggest lenses were on top so I could just keep removing sunglasses. Like, because there are multiple times in the <laughs> script where it says that I need to take off my sunglasses. And I was like, oh, I'm taking them off and then I'm putting them back on, but there's nowhere for me to put them back on. I'll just keep taking... It'll be like cl clown car sunglasses. It's like... I would whip them off and there'd be a slightly smaller that, pair underneath. That's a good idea. And then I did it again. I lost the night that we were going to perform. I lost one of the pairs. And I didn't know what oh. to do. Because I had to keep cycling them. And I needed at least three. So Liz. Lizzie. We, we love Liz. Liz comes up with the idea. Hey Sean, I went tanning this week. I have the little tan goggles for you to put on. I was like, okay, sweet, great, let's do it. I threw them on and immediately went out on stage where I realized, oh, I'm blind. Because <laughs> I'm wearing tanning goggles that are meant to completely block your eyes from actual UV lights in tanning booths. Yes. Lights that are immensely more powerful than stage lights. From the distance that stage lights are away from me. If I look directly at the stage lights, it looks like I'm looking at the moon through some clouds. Oof. And that is all I see. And I panicked. <laughs> so I'm standing on stage. I think I'm in my right spot. And I start acting, trying to remember where everyone else on stage was in comparison to me. <laughs> And I whipped off the first pair of sunglasses, and the audience laughed a little bit because I had a slightly smaller pair. It worked great. And then I whipped off the second one, and it looked like I had two very blue squinty eyes. <laughs> <laughs> like, it looked like you had gone into Photoshop, taken my eyeball, and turned it blue, and then put my lids back over them. <laughs> oh, God. That's so and they gross. had black holes in the center. <laughs> that were almost as big as like my eye would have been it's 
and That's I'm sick. squinting to keep them in because they didn't have a strap, so the my brow folds because I'm, I have a hooded brow. The fucking folds of my eyebrow and the folds of my chubby fucking cheeks were curling up around them, so it looked like my eyes were bulging out of my head. <sighs> and then every time the lights went down for the transition, I had to reach out and grab my scene partner so that they could walk me to my walk me to my next blocking. So, the script, it it ends. We're done. The lights go down. And the person who has been leading me everywhere is gone. She's zoomed. And I was alone and blind. And I needed to leave. So, I threw my arms out Frankenstein style. And shuffled um, all the way stage right. Which made no sense because I was on stage left. So I shuffled. So you did the, the monster mash? Pretty much all the way across our stage. I have never felt more humiliated in my life. But <laughs> goddamn, it was funny. <laughs> yeah, that sounds wild. I don't remember that. that I was remember awesome. the skit, but I don't remember that. Yeah, that was it was an interesting it was an interesting little adventure. I've never been blind on stage before, so that was that was a fun way to kind of break break that ice. I've done plenty of work on stage. Well, I we've, feel like we've, we've had a lot of fun times where we've improved. Like, mm. do you remember and um, what was that first one that I did in high school with you? Oh, Zombio and Juliet. No, it or was, about it was with death. Thomas. Done to death. Yeah, that was the one. Ah, oh, I love done to death. That one day that uh, you couldn't get the door open on the side. Ah, uh, yes, that was very that was that was very unfortunate, and it was entirely my fault. I was trying to turn the okay, so it was a pair of French doors, which if you guys don't know what that is, it's basically like a trellis where it's like a bunch of interlocked like checkered window panes on a big door that's like eight or nine feet tall so there's not a lot that you can do from a stage standpoint to keep those closed so typically it's like a little slot like a little little hook and wood block thing on the back that you flip up to open like a gate i was a dumbass and was trying to open it down which obviously wasn't working <laughs> So I missed my entrance by at least 10 seconds. And Corbin, I don't remember what you said, but you said something that was just immaculate. What Do you remember what it was? It was, yeah, yeah. So, like, you were struggling to open the door, and I paused, looked confused for a second, then kind of looked at the crowd, and I said, uh, and I rolled my eyes, and I said, well, with age comes wisdom, and then... By that point, you would finally open the door, and you said something in response to that. And we kept going; it was yeah. seamless. It was amazing. We we have very very good um, on stage chemistry, and I think that's just because oh yeah, we approach acting similar ways. We approach scenes similar ways. Yeah, but, like we envelop ourselves with the character, and it just it becomes who we are. You know, we get on stage, and it sounds weird, but it's like it's kind of like when you think of lucid dreaming. Like we make up we decide like how we act and what we do except 
you know, there's a script and there's a, a set amount of things that have to happen, mm-hmm. but our own creative freedoms uh, get to be explored yeah. when we do that. And it also helps that Corbin and I are very, very good at feeding off of each other's energy, uh, which is really important to scene partners. And we've played Absolutely. a lot of duos. Um, that's something that I've noticed. That we, we, play, we play a lot of roles that are very closely connected to each other. Like in Zombio and Juliet, uh, we played two of Romeo's compadres. In Done to Death, our authors were very closely interlocked with each other because my author was the youngest and his was the oldest out of the group. Uh, right. Noises Off was kind of a departure from that, where he was playing a director and I was playing an actor. But then, except there was a, a interplay like battle between uh, us though and yeah. that was like that was a primary subject of yeah. most of the second act yeah the primary subplot of the second act surrounded um me believing that my girlfriend was cheating on me with every single man in the cast and then wanting to murder them and actually trying to so like that that was something too and then it was and you shoved a cactus at my ass i did i was gonna talk about that later but oh my god so i got to shove a cactus up corbin's ass during noises off which was one of many just whack-ass things that happened in that script which is part of the reason i still love that show to this day it's still one of my favorite shows that i've ever i've ever done like there's there's falling downstairs there's a lot of slip and fall very very slapsticky since it's a farce uh the cactus business getting shoved up the ass and then a lot of a lot of passing props around very quickly and perfectly like a fire axe like getting caught mid-swing over and over and over again passing around plates of sardines I remember Mr. Thomas getting so frustrated with us because we couldn't seem to get that axe, you know, trade-off oh, down. Yeah. That took a minute. That took us at least 45 minutes to get clean. Which sounds like a lot of time, but, like, in comparison to how short rehearsals typically are, which is, like, three to three and a half hours at the high school level, that's a lot. That's a lot of time. <laughs> So, like, rightfully so, but it's also so hard. At least 50... No, more than 50% of the writing in the script during Act 2 is stage directions. And they're very specific, and they're amazing. It's just so well written on a technical... And we had to memorize all of that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a director, you have to be able to look at that and have this 3D image in your head for what it's supposed to be Mm -hmm. you know if you haven't seen the play before and it didn't help that mr thomas was also designing the set and being in charge of getting it built so like he was stressed we were stressed it was all stressed we weren't off book until the week of the show (laughs) just i was still not technically like a quarter on book yeah and it wasn't even because of lines for the most part it was literally just because we were backstage looking at the next thing that we had to do on stage. Just like the next yeah. the next care the next movement beat. We were constantly checking yeah. that backstage. Yeah, it was a, a very taxing but very rewarding show for sure. And oh, yeah. uh, we had a lot of work and a lot of passion about it. I think 
we all got really close during that. Oh yeah, and it, it helped that the cast was small. Like I think it's a nine-person show, uh, four guys, five women. Um, so like we we, we had some all stars in that oh, cast. Yeah. That was a stacked cast. Like it was for sure. There was you, me. There was my sister, and we had Trenton and Liz. Then we had Darcy and uh, Darcy and Jay. And I'm really, really proud of both of them, especially with it being their first stuff. That was it was really nice. And then oh, yeah. Eli. Oh, Eli was Big the man. most perfectly cast out of all of us, and I can say that for certain. It was just. Selson didn't feel stupid. He just felt confused. And I he felt said, like it was perfect. No bars, no burger alarms. And I loved that he was mispronouncing words, and I couldn't tell if it was on purpose or like <laughs> he was just making him slur. Either way, it was perfect. It was just. And he just tottered. He looked like a bear walking on its hind legs, and it was just so right. fitting. Especially when he comes out talking about the ball cocks in the bathroom. Right. Which is a toilet part, funnily enough. Apparently it's like, it's one of the plunger bits that is in the tank of your toilet. But it's a toilet part called a ball cock. <laughs> Who the fuck let that happen? Like, that's like prime first grade playground material. It's talking about the ball cocks in the bathroom. No, that show is insane. Like, genuinely. It's, it's the most intensive thing that I've ever done. Facts. And then we've talked about Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast was insane. Yes. But no, I think Done to Death was a lot better than we tend to give it credit for. Just like as yeah. a show. Oh, it was pretty good. Yeah, it was solid at the very least. Like, it didn't feel as grounded... I just think people misunderstood how it it came to be because a lot of people didn't understand the ending. Oh, the ending. Okay, so... But that was a very fulfilling moment on stage for us. You got to admit that. Because, like, the twist ending is that, like, none of it's real. And everyone that's dead was just acting. So the two people that we just watched die come back to life and the audience kind of just went... What what the hell is that? And then yeah. my character comes out from the hidden bookshelf entrance and like, hey, y'all, what the fuck happened? And I died like three people ago. Like, I, di I died at least 20 minutes ago. And the entire audience went, Aah! And then more people kept coming on stage. Like, Corbin came out. And the other person that died came out. Everyone would... Then the butlers didn't have accents anymore. <laughs> just panned fucking monium in the audience we had to pause for a second to make them shut up and like i thought it was just that we did the twist really well but then like you said going out and talking to people a lot of them didn't understand what happened and i don't yeah. know if that's our yeah. fault for not like making it clear enough or their fault for not paying attention well no, we literally i think it could be it to them. misconstrued yeah i mean it could be a combination of us not displaying it well enough and some details that we might have left out that were supposed to be in there as far as like our movement or the set or uh, something like that. Something we missed, I yeah. think. 
Either way, I think it was a very fulfilling show. And, you know, I'm happy with it. And I think this is this is a nice place to kind of taper things off for the night. What do you think? I agree. Waxing a little bit. All right. I like it. Wax, waxing nostalgic is always a nice thing to end up on. It's a nice little hope. Yes, sir. Yeah. So I should be here in the next week or so. We will be back to recording and trying to uh, use our free time and try to get some better plans out here uh, for the coming months. And uh, remember to get vaccinated. I know it seems odd and it, it seems uh, nerve-wracking. Just pay attention to your health. And mm-hmm. if you are at risk, which make sure you look up if you're at risk, you know, and you should kind of ask a doctor if you should get the vaccine uh, with certain conditions. Uh, but really get vaccinated and uh, just make sure you stay safe uh, so we can get everything back here pretty soon and um, you know it's it's coming mm-hmm. it's coming this summer is going to be so good and so transformative for us and I can't wait to see you know where I'm at even a couple months from now so Take care of yourselves, take care of your people, and as always, thank you for listening to Two Bards, One Throne. Thank you very much. Have a good night, y'all. Talk to you next time. Two Bards, One Throne.